Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I am Justin. And here we are on the brink of October. It's crazy that we're so close, yeah. man. It's insane. Yeah. This time is just going so fast. It's it's just it's a blur. It's like I went on vacation last week. I don't even remember it. Like it's that bad. <laughs> Uh, you know, by the time we got there and the time we left, it was just a mess. Uh, you know, well, and you ended up getting sick before you left too. So that didn't help you. You know what? And what's worse is like, I thought that was food poisoning and it wasn't, I guess it was a stomach bug because my sister and her family were sick initially. She cut my hair. (laughs) My mom and I both got sick around the same time. Then on vacation, my other sister got sick. And then after her, my dad got sick all with a stomach bug. So... (laughs) vacation wasn't the best this year i didn't get to surf so that was frustrating uh everybody was sick and it was just yeah it was miserable it was nice being by the ocean as always but aside from that and you got to see a shark breach the water i did see a shark breach the water which you know glad i saw that from the shore not on my surfboard because (laughs) yeah could have been a completely different story, Justin doing it solo and Eric doing it from the great beyond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, enough about us and October. <laughs> we have a guest on today. Uh, so <clears throat> we actually have on Corrine uh, Kenner. She is the author of Gently Haunted True Stories from the, an- from the Haunted Antique Shop. Corian Kenner specializes in bringing metaphysical subjects down to earth. She's an author, astrologer, certified tarot master, and owner of the Haunted Antique Shop in Central Florida. We're going to talk to her about that shop, among plenty of other things that we're discussing prior to the show here. So without further ado, let's go to the line. Corian, welcome to Parachute Radio. We're glad to have you with us. Thank you. So you're an author, astrologer, certified tarot master. What got you interested in these endeavors of yours? Honestly, I got into astrology and tarot because I found that there were such good tools for creativity, for telling stories and helping people discover their own stories. And when I bought the haunted antique shop, I wasn't actually looking to get into anything haunted or mystical. I was looking for office space where I could write and teach tarot and astrology. The shop came up for sale and um, it just was too good to, to not jump into. Okay. Interesting that you ended up buying the shop and not even 
realizing what it was until you got into it. Um, so what made you want to write the book about it? It started as a brochure because about a month after I had set up shop and moved into this craftsman bungalow that the house, that the, the shop is based in, I realized it was haunted. I mean, some really unusual things happened. Nothing that was too scary, but um, commonly doors will open and close on their own. And I'll hear voices and footsteps in empty rooms. About once a week, you know, we have a, a bell on the front door that rings when people come in. So about once a week, I'll hear that bell chime and I'll hear the door open and close. I'll hear people walk in kind of talking quietly among themselves and I jump up from my desk to say hello to the new customers and there's nobody here. Hmm. Now, do you have any like uh, surveillance cams or anything like that that you have set up where you've possibly I caught do. stuff? I have a camera here and I have not caught anything on my security really? camera, but ghost hunters have come in and seen orbs and lights and movement. Um, they've come in with those, those laser grids that oh, can hmm. detect spirit movement. Those, those tend to flicker. They, um, one of the things I didn't know when I started is that ghost hunters will typically use these little cat toys to look for ghosts, little balls that mm -hmm. move. And they would put, put these little cat toys on our checkout desk, which is perfectly level. And when they ask it to move, um, the, the balls light up and roll away. Wow. So there's, there's camera evidence of, of spirits. And there have been some, some interesting um, voice recordings as well, EVPs. <laughs> now, you mentioned the most taboo thing that you can mention about paranormal investigation, and that's orbs. Orbs. <laughs> 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 um, so the the orbs that they caught, I'm assuming, were um, moving intelligently, not necessarily what you would expect from a bug or something like that. Answering requests, yeah, and these would be in in the dark, not not um, in sunlight or flash. Okay, so these are orbs light. that we only saw in video. Okay. So now, I mean, this is an an antique shop. So did you find that? Uh, the haunting grew as you started bringing items into the shop, especially since so many antiques seem to be, uh, you know, connected to the spiritual realm in some fashion. Uh, how, did, how did that go? One of the most interesting artifacts that we brought in was a little doll, which we named Charlie. It's always the dolls. <laughs> <laughs> always the dolls. And we would notice that Charlie's arms would move. Um, a few people have seen him move slightly in real life. But what I noticed is that I would put the arms on, he sits in a little chair and I would put the arms on the chair. And when I come in the next day, his arms would be outstretched and higher than I had left them. <laughs> so it's not like they're moving because they're falling for gravity. It's, it's like he's reaching out to say hello. Right. Yeah. And the creepiest or strangest thing with Haunted Charlie is that for a while we had him in a closed wooden armoire called our Cabinet of Curiosities. And at one point we had some people in the shop who believed in ghosts, but were a little afraid of ghosts. 
And we all looked at the, the objects in the cabinet and closed the doors. And suddenly we heard this banging noise coming out of the cabinet. And we thought, oh, maybe something fell off. Maybe it got jiggled. But when we opened the doors, he was turned completely around in his chair and everything. And he was sitting on a little crochet doily that was rumpled as if somebody had taken their hand and twisted him all the way around. Wow. Yeah. And there now, are pictures of that in the book that I took with my, with my cell phone that, that day. Okay. Now I'm assuming there was um, activity before Charlie came around. Yes. Okay. There was, but Charlie was the first activity that we said, you know, we can't, really ignore this any longer i mean at first when we moved in there there's a door um close to my office that would always be open and i don't like it open because it's not a public part of the shop and i'd even kind of accuse my husband of why are you leaving this door open that we don't want people to go in and he'd say i'm not i'm not touching it i'm not messing with it at all but the door is opening and closing the lights going on and off we, we couldn't ignore it. Now, in your opinion, and and you've had more experience with Charlie than Eric or I, or I'm sure anybody in the shop, is it a spirit that was already there, do you feel? Or did something come in with Charlie that's in like trying to interact with you by interacting through the doll? I think it's a spirit that came that was was on the grounds but uses Charlie as a vehicle for communicating with us. Okay. But mm -hmm. well, I mean, I, but I'm assuming you, you, you probably have had other entities become involved in the shop after the fact that are from the outside. Right. Uh, now, I mean, in my experience and, you know, we've been doing investigating the paranormals just too long sometimes <laughs> <laughs> close to, you know, a good 16 years or so. Um, and they don't always play well with each other. You know, the, some spirits are very territorial. So have you experienced any type of that negative haunting because of it? Or has it always been very positive and, well, as the book says, gentle? We haven't exper experienced anything ne negative except one time some spirits came in with some customers. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I wasn't here at that time. My daughter was running the shop while I was in Orlando, which is like an hour away. And she called me up and she said, mom, you've got to come back to the shop. There's something here and it smells terrible. And I was like horrified because I thought, what, what could it be? So I, I came screaming up the I-4 corridor from Orlando to our town, which is Deland. And I came into the shop and she said, actually, it's gone now. Everything smells fine. But it came in with these ladies who said, one of them is followed by this kind of mean, foul-smelling spirit. And as soon as she left, the smell went too. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, this is, forgive me, but this is an actual uh, uh, working antique shop. You sell items there, right? So it's not like it's a museum. So how do you, I mean, how do customers react to that? Because I know... I, I've met a lot of people who are like, oh, I won't buy anything from an antique shop, especially with haunted shops. Like, are people into that? Are they like, oh, I hope this is haunted and they're taking it? Or 
It's about 50-50. About half of the customers come in and want to see it and feel it, but they don't want anything to follow them home. Mm -hmm. And the other half are hoping that they can take a little ghost home with them. Okay. Or even even more likely is that they will come in to verify that they are in contact with spirits of of people that they've loved and lost and they'd like to to communicate. Mm -hmm. Which is something we can do with tarot. Okay. Right. Now, are you or your daughter uh, sensitive at all? Everybody in our family is. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily start out thinking that that was unusual. I, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota where we seemed like normal people. And yet my parents would often talk about out of body experiences or, um, Ouija boards were probably as popular then as they are now. So, of course, we had a Ouija board. I didn't realize that so many people are not in touch with their intuitive side and that so many people are afraid to talk about spirit experiences that they've had. One of the most eye-opening things for me here at the shop is that people will come in and say, do you believe in ghosts? Do you see ghosts? And at first, I think they're being very skeptical and and sort of challenging me. But then as soon as they see that I do, and this is a safe place for them to interact, they start telling me their their own ghost stories. They start telling me about seeing ghosts walking two or three feet above the floor in their old homes, or seeing ghosts walk through walls where there used to be doorways. A lot of people keep it very private and very secretive until they know that that they're allowed to talk about these things. Now, you you mentioned you grew up in North Dakota. Uh, You grew up in Devil's Lake. One thing that I have kind of found, and it it varies depending on where you're at, is the openness of people to to be open to the paranormal, talk about ghost stories. Hey, I am sensitive, that sort of stuff. Do you feel that... uh, the, pla- the places that you would go, you would you would find that it, it is a little more taboo in certain areas than others? I actually think it's more taboo in big cities where people feel like they have to be a little more or- urban, a little more sophisticated. Um, people in small towns like the one I grew up in are much more closely connected to legends and lore and stories that have been passed down from generation to generation okay do you i mean do you think that there's a specific reason behind it other than the fact that you know the 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 city folks uh simply feel like they need to be more in tune to you know the now the public the the reality of things uh or is it more so just you know, because it's a small town, people talk and when they talk, the stories grow and you just kind of grow with it. I I think there's a little bit of both. I think in a small town, more people have shared experiences Mm -hmm. in a, in a larger city. It's not something that necessarily comes up in normal conversation. Okay. You know, and I think it's, it's really interesting because even like during our investigations, we're, we're always seeing more paranormal activity in these smaller towns than we do in the bigger cities. You know, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, 
we have hauntings. We're pretty infamous for some of our hauntings here, even more so for the cryptid activity, if you believe in cryptids. Um, but it's nothing compared to, you know, rural areas that are out west, you know, in, in the center of the country that nobody really knows about. Uh, it, and I suppose a part of it, you know, in, in our belief is uh, when somebody believes in something or the more that, you know, say, more than one person believe in it empowers those entities and the the uh the hauntings that are happening there or whatever the experience is happening there and in the city it just gets drowned out because we have a couple people here and there that are very much interested in believe but there's so many that don't that just kind of snuffs out the energy and we don't see these hauntings as often in the bigger cities that's true and i think in 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 places like, for example, England, where they have a lot of folklore about supernatural creatures, there even people in cities are more open to it. I, I do think that the more people who are conscious of it and aware of their interactions makes that channel of communication open wider. Mm-hmm. Now, in the shop, uh, you've talked about the different activity that you have going on um have you ever felt like there's anything negative there at all i personally haven't no and i've been here pretty late at night um but i think that might be just because it's my space and i'm used to it and i um when i come in in the morning even though of course obviously the shop is empty i will say good morning and i say good night and if I have a weekend coming up, I'll say, well, it's, it's Saturday, so I'm not going to be here tomorrow, and I will see you next week. Okay. I have to ask. Now, I mean, nobody listening to the show can see this, but you have two figures standing behind <laughs> you here on either side. <laughs> uh, costumed mannequins, or what would you call them? Yeah, exactly. they're costumed mannequins. Okay. They, they add a little atmosphere. I do try to be fairly careful that I don't have too many gimmicks, gimmicks standing mm-hmm. around. It's so tempting, especially at Halloween time. You see so much oh, cool sure. Halloween decor. But I'm pretty careful to keep my haunted antiques genuine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask because we are pretty close to October here. So I wasn't sure if this was just for the season or year round. <laughs> Yeah, I have them year-round. I put them up for Halloween about three years ago, and I liked them so much I, I left never, them. Yep. The man behind me, the, the ghost groom, is actually wearing a Stetson hat because this town is the home of Stetson University. Okay. And John Stetson, who founded the, the hat company, actually had a mansion here that's very, very haunted. And oh, part, wow. of, part, part of my, my stories in my book are about... Um, places I call neighborhood haunts because DeLand has quite a few haunted buildings, like a haunted theater downtown where the ghosts of a, of a young brother and sister will um, be seen and heard singing and dancing in the wings when there's a performance going on. Mm-hmm. There are a couple wow. haunted hotels in DeLand. Um, and Stetson University actually has a mausoleum on campus where one of the college presidents and his wife and their little dog are buried. So they're part of my book too. 
a lot of people have said that when they're walking either at sunset or at dawn, they will see this bizarre little old man and old woman walking their dog across campus. And they seem pretty normal, except they're dressed in kind of period clothing from the 1920s or 30s. They will stop and chat and talk about what nice weather we're having and what a cute dog they're walking. And they'll take a few steps and look back and the couple has just disappeared into thin air. Wow. That would be an incredible experience. Yeah. Now you mentioned that a paranormal investigation team came in and, and did an investigation uh, and you had mentioned EVPs. Have you ever just tried uh, setting up a, a voice recorder and letting it record throughout the day to see what you catch? I haven't done that. I've asked questions and gotten responses. Um, okay. Some of the questions we've asked are, do they like what we've done with their old house? And they say yes. I was a little miffed a couple weeks ago. Um, we had some paranormal investigators come in with their EVP. And they asked if, um, if the ghost knew who I was. And on the recording, we could hear back Corinne. But my name is pronounced Corinne. Okay. So I kind of wish the ghost would get my name right next time. <laughs> that's the that's the one thing is, is there's so many pronunciations and maybe they've only seen it spelled and not really paid attention to it being they said. They only saw it on the cover of the book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> would it be crazy to to catch on your camera your book just being flipped through page by page? Just a ghost reading it. I would love that. And I would also love it if then they would then electronically go to Amazon and leave a five-star review. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, when it comes to, to your antiques, I mean, we, we talked about the doll. Um, but in my experience, one thing that tends to always carry some sort of energy is a camera photography camera video camera a usually something that's uh that's antique older you know 1800s early 1900s now i'd imagine you probably came across at least one or two cameras yourself and probably felt some sort of energies uh but i i feel like cameras for some reason carry a usually a higher amount of energy more significant thick energy than some other items why do you think that is exactly if, if you believe the same thing I think because cameras like mirrors and even like old photos have a visual imprint. Um, people really focus a lot of their energy into capturing what they're seeing with their eyes. Yeah. Okay. Although all of the senses I think get involved because I can't tell you how many people have come into the shop and say, I smell man's aftershave. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in here that would smell like men's aftershave. There's been a few times I've smelled cigarette smoke and nobody smokes here. So these would probably be more of the imprints of the past uh, or whatever your ghosts happen to be wearing yeah. at the time. Yeah. Or it's how ghosts identify themselves. Because mm -hmm. scent is supposed to be one of the most primal of the senses. Right. If, you, if, you, if you capture 
an odor that reminds you of like your grandmother's perfume or something. It instantly takes you back to a different time and place. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and, and I, I know there's been research out there too. Um, nothing significant for to, to prove one way or the other, but there there was a belief that spirits are able to somehow manipulate the scent uh, within the atmosphere, within the room, uh, for one reason or another, whether to trigger a certain emotion or to try to direct you into a certain, you know, into a certain path, a question or a, a part of your investigation. Um, now, I, I don't know if that's possible, if spirits can actually manipulate energy to create their own smells, uh, or if it just happens to be one of those timestamps, much like a gunshot going off, you know, during a horror, horrible time. Uh, you know, we hear so many, you know, uh, stories around the world of, oh, at this time of the week, this time of the night, you hear a pop. And if you trace it back to whatever time years ago, you find out oh, there's a gunshot, something horrible happened, and there's been an imprint. I don't know if, uh, you know, if, if sense can really do that, because in my experience, the only imprints in time are usually based on very horrific tragedies as opposed to good or light not lighthearted, but, you know, someone who may pass regularly or in a normal fashion may not leave the type of imprint that something of horrific substance would. One of the imprints that I've noticed here at the shop is the sound of horses and wagons. Oh, okay. We're on, we're on a a major thoroughfare through town. It's, we're on a street called New York Avenue. And on Saturdays late in the afternoon or Sundays in the afternoon, if I happen to be here in the shop, I will hear the sound of a horse and wagon going by. And it's a very distinctive sound. You can even kind of hear the leather of the horse's reins and and the iron wheels. And I, I look out, there's nothing there. But because this was the main thoroughfare through town and the very first people who lived here lived basically right across the street from the shop, mm-hmm. I tend to think that they imprinted this street with what they recognized and what they felt and what they heard at the time. Hmm. And I'm not the only one who's heard that either. My, my daughters have, have heard it, my husband. It's never happened when we've had customers in the shop because it happens during very quiet times. To kind of come in and what you said, Eric, about the the cameras. I mean, there are people even today that won't get their picture taken because they believe a picture is stealing their soul or a part of their soul. And even going back into uh, history, I mean, there's tons of people that believe that or or groups of people. So mm-hmm. it maybe there is something to that, you know. But um, it is interesting that sometimes certain items can be more haunted than others or that people get such an attachment to things that they, they just stay on this side to to be by those things or make sure that things are okay. Um, now, doing business and having people come in and out um, – have you ever noticed that people are attracted to certain items 
hoping that they're haunted? Yeah. One of the most interesting things that, that happened here is um, we found a antique silver letter opener in the back of the shop that seemed to have come out of nowhere. We, nobody knew where it had come from. Nobody recognized it. So I put it in the cabinet of curiosities because it was beautiful and obviously antique. And a businessman came in looking for gifts for himself. Well, not for, not for himself, but for his wife. And he saw the letter opener. And he said, I have been looking for a letter opener like this for my desk. He picked it up and he looked at it and he said, this one has my name on it. And we were like, oh, yeah, and I, you know, yeah, you can have it. Just, you know, if that's the one you've been wanting. And he said, no, this letter opener literally has my name on it. It's engraved with the name Jack. Wow. So he wound up taking that home with him. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really amazing how you know because we talk about one person's trash is another person's treasure, and it, it even though these are you know inanimate objects, they seem to have a sort of sense to them, a sort of mind to them, uh, especially when they have certain energies. And you know, like I think a lot of people think that energies or spirits have to be human or some sort of thinking entity, but that's not entirely the case. And energy is a free-flowing thing that exists within itself. And maybe it doesn't think necessarily, but it moves, it reacts, it changes based on its environment. You know, uh, you know, I, I think one of the best ways to 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 sum that up is when there's an argument and people mm. often say oh the the energy's thick or the tension is, you know you can cut it with a knife like that's a representation of how an energy is changing uh just based on emotion and some people i think at least in my opinion i think energy in and of itself may have an emotion that changes and gravitates towards certain individuals much like magnets would gravitate uh to each other or push each from each other you know uh, so yeah. it's really an intriguing thing especially in the environment that you're in because you're getting so many items in probably on a daily basis and these energies are constantly exchanging from one person to another and from one mm -hmm. you know location to the next and it's always picking up new energies and becoming vibrant and then letting those energies go and it's constant fluctuation uh so i'm sure it's just incredible I, I felt a little of that when I first took over the shop. It's an old house, obviously. And so the room that I use as my office used to be one of the bedrooms in the house. But when I first went in there, it felt like somebody had just had an argument in the room. You know how sometimes you can tell that there's tension and, and stress. And obviously nobody had because, I mean, it was, it was a business. But... I had to do some serious energy work in there to clear the space. I had to open the curtains, do some cleaning, do some, um, some incense and just use, you know, work with the intention that I would get any negativity out of that space. But the weird thing is that at first, like when I was looking at the shop, thinking about buying it, this room is in the corner of the house and the door was usually closed. And for a long time, people didn't even know the room was there. It's like it, it became invisible or people wanted to rush by it because it just didn't feel good to be in that corner of the house. Mm -hmm. And now it's a great space. Now I, I love working in there. 
that's interesting because uh, the one investigation that we did um, was for a friend of ours, and uh, she owns a her own cookie decorating business, and um, the there's one room that she calls the murder room. Nobody's been murdered in it. Nobody's been hurt there in any sense of the term, as far as they're aware. But they, she's just an odd character to begin with, and then that is her her main office. Usually, now it's kind of more storage. But when we did the investigation, we ended up really not getting a whole lot in that area, but on on another part of the the basement. So. It's interesting for you to hear you say that, you know, there was a room that I didn't like going in and now it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, a lot of it, I think, is that I, I opened the curtains and I cleaned it really well and I, I filled it with with positivity. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to explain it any better than that, other than I, I said, this is a really nice space and we're going to enjoy it while we're here. Okay. Yeah. It just, you know, it, the vibe went from dark to bright and cheerful. And now people go in the room and love it. <laughs> they see it. <laughs> yeah, that usually helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting that, you know, there can be veils over certain areas, especially when certain entities don't want people going into that room. Uh, obviously, you don't know what that room was prior to purchasing the house uh, and it could have been anything it could have been an area where there was an argument and that argument was intense and it just hung around uh was never really cleansed also could have been anything <laughs> like there's you really just don't know without doing a proper investigation uh which rarely gives us the exact results we're looking for anyway but um it, it is interesting how like I, i'm a sensitive so i'll walk past a certain house like I'll be walking on the street and all of a sudden I come across a house and there's just this chill and heaviness across the side of my body that's facing the home. And it's just like, the, you know, you look at it and it looks like a normal house, but it also looks like a darkness hovering, like a, like a shadow hovering over it, you know? Um, and there's really no real rhyme or reason to it. Can't explain it myself without stepping in and doing an investigation or talking to the, the homeowners, but it's just, it's one of those things that exists. Uh, and there are like full towns that, that are like engulfed in shadows. You know, when we consider the Mothman stuff that happened uh, in Southern Ohio and West Virginia, that's town to the state. Actually this coming weekend is the, I think it's this weekend is the Mothman festival. Mm-hmm. So this is a celebration that they have for a very horrific tragedy you know uh, and people are still hanging on to it and there's still horror over this entity not knowing what it was um and yet people still believe it exists and they're wondering you know where it went why it showed up and there's this constant loom and gloom you wow. know and it's like well what you know why but it, yeah, it's one I of the stumbled, mysteries i stumbled across an article today about dark tourism where people are trying to stay overnight in murder houses that have been turned mm-hmm. into airbnbs and i thought oh i i hope nobody thinks i'm doing dark tourism because yeah. <laughs> like you know like the title of the book it's gently haunted and we only have good experiences here and that's how i want to keep it 
Right. At one time, I was I was working here alone. I was almost closing up the shop, and this really shady guy came in the door, and he was kind of hunched over, and he was wearing a hoodie, and he was sweating. And I stood back, and I said, can I help you? And his eyes got really big, and he said, they don't want me here. And I was like, what, you've got friends outside or what? He said, who doesn't want you here? And he said, the ghosts. And then he slowly backed out of the door and he spun on his heel and he literally went running down the street. Hmm. Which makes you wonder what his intentions were to begin with. Yes. And so maybe, maybe friendly ghosts are the best security system I could ask for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I still keep my camera on. (laughs) And and you don't have to pay them. That's the right. Best part. <laughs> um, so you wrote the book. Um, is there anything you'd want people to take away from, from reading the book? First and foremost, I want people to know that having a, a, a ghost encounter is not necessarily a frightening thing at all. And it's so funny. The people who tell me about their encounters with ghosts tell me they weren't afraid during the actual encounter. It it can actually feel very normal. Um, It's only in hindsight when they look back and say, wow, that was really weird that they start to feel a little afraid or unsure of themselves. But I I think ghosts are around us more than we realize. I also want people to know that if there is somebody in the afterlife or on the other side that they want to reach out to and contact, that sometimes it's as easy as saying their name. I notice when I'm doing readings for people, if, if we call them in, we can sense a new presence in the room. And that, that can be very reassuring to people as well. Right. Cool. Uh, so just not all hauntings are bad and they don't have to be. No, there, not there at all. Plenty that just want to say hi and hang out for a bit. <laughs> I mean, if your grandma was nice in life, there's no reason grandma's going to turn evil after uh, death. That makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, all right, Crane. Well, we are at the end of the show here. So I do want to give you a moment to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can locate your book. And of course, any other info you'd like to share. Sure. You can find me everywhere online by searching for Haunted Antique Shop. We're on social media as Haunted Antiques or Haunted Antique Shop. My books are available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And my website is HauntedAntiqueShop.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank Uh, you. So I'm just going to say goodbye and talk to you later. Thanks so much. All right, folks. That was Kareen Kenner, author of Gently Haunted, True Stories from the Haunted Antique Shop. Uh, Definitely check out the book. Uh, Check out Kareen. She was an awesome guest. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. 
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on, it wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Parajuth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we just got off the line with Corinne Kenner. Uh, as Justin said earlier, she is the author of Gently Haunted, the true stories from the haunted antique shop. Today's episode clearly reminds us that not all hauntings are negative. Because, let's face it, the negative hauntings do tend to take up uh, a grand majority of the discussions within the paranormal community online on podcasts on tv shows you know right it's probably because it's more entertaining but nonetheless there's good hauntings as well that people live with on a daily basis and find enjoyable yeah um and and the the two investigations we did the people that we did the investigations for weren't worried about any negative hauntings they just wanted pretty much confirmation which i mean that's can be uh true about a lot of people that want an investigation they just want to know yeah absolutely um you know what i think is really you know it's intriguing i think because i feel like well i okay so i, I can't say that every antique shop is haunted but there's always an item that's haunted within an antique shop. Uh, so, you know, fun, I, for me personally, I think it's really interesting to, because I love antiques. I love antiquing. I don't buy antiques just because I'm weird about used things. I need to buy new. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, aside from that, I, I love the, the feeling that an antique shop kind of gives, you know, the vibe of it. You, you walk in, it's like history just surrounding you, you know, it's engulfs mm-hmm. you. Uh, you get to see these items like, oh, where has that been? What is this scene? What is it, you know, gone through? Uh, and I, I always try to to stop at an antique shop, especially when I'm traveling. Uh, Southern antique shops are, they're incredible. <laughs> there, there's not many antique shops around the country that beat anything in the South because the Southern stuff is just, I don't know what it is, but they've got items that you just don't see up North, but vice versa the North has plenty of things you don't see in the South as well. It's, mm. There's that split in the community. Um, but it, you know, it, it's really cool, you know, and honestly, I'm, well, you don't know this yet, but I am, I guess, apparently going to uh, Tampa next month as well as Salem and Portland, Maine. So I've got a lot of traveling to do <laughs> next month. And her shop is only an hour away from Tampa. So about. So maybe I'll stop by there and check it out. Cause, cause I would love to walk through a haunted antique shop and, and see what that's really like. Yeah, for sure. Um and I just like any of our guests, it's it's awesome to actually meet them in person mm-hmm. too. Um so you'll have to ask her if it's okay if you bring a voice recorder and do some recordings there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so we've we've kind of wrapped up September. We're moving into the spooky season. Uh, we're going to be doing some really cool stuff on Paratruth Radio. Uh, do kind of like an intro episode, have a couple guests, do a our usual Halloween uh, extravaganza. Um, Eric and I have been talking over the past week or so about doing some miniseries as well for October. Um, so I, I think that's going to be interesting. And of course we'll be bringing it up on Paratruth radio. It's going to be separate from Paratruth radio. Uh, but um, I don't think we've really made a decision on what the first mini series is for sure or not, but I think we're going to kind of go with spooky stories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's something we will be discussing after we clock out of the podcast for the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so make sure you're, you're paying attention to everything we've got going on. Uh, make sure you're listening to evergreen podcasts and killerpodcasts.com. All the great shows there on both of those platforms. Um, we, have so much stuff coming up. We will be doing our uh, investigation reveal episodes here soon as well. Uh, Eric wrapped up audio on the cookie house and we will, I will be wrapping up the audio on the soap house and both clients have agreed to come on so we can do the uh, evidence reveal for them. And we'll be doing video to put on our YouTube channel as well for those two. Um, but that is pretty much it. Unless I miss something, Eric. Nope. I don't believe so. That, that, that about sums it up and until next week. All right. All right, folks until next week where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on fabulously delicious the french food podcast bon app